Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 109 of the MTV podcast, presented and hosted by Worldwide Cyclery. I am Jared. I'm Liam. And I am Jeff. In this episode, we are going to discuss the new SRAM transmission and stealth brakes, Liam's trip to Taiwan for the Taipei Cycle Show, as well as listener questions ranging from does stanchion diameter matter, bad habits on clipless pedals, how to become a bike mechanic, and much, much more. So much more. The so usual more. stuff that will entertain and educate you mountain bikers to learn even more about mountain bike stuff. Did you say entertain? You get that part? I think I said entertain. You did. Well, we'll we will attempt to entertain. We That's subjective. That like all true. of our mountain bike content, there's a, always a good dose of entertainment value and uh, educational value. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking Some of, people think it's funny, mostly our moms. <laughs> Speaking of uh, entertainment value, how about a sound effect? <laughs> <laughs> that was maybe just me that I was entertained by that. <laughs> you entertain yourself. Yeah, I do. Perfect. Jared definitely laughs at his own jokes a yeah. lot. Yeah, hey, man. Laughs at everything. It's a good yeah. way to be. If you're not your own <laughs> biggest fan, who's going to be? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. My girlfriend is my biggest fan, and she has proclaimed that many times. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And my mom. Glad you got, <laughs> glad you got two in your corner. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Better than nothing. Yeah. One you lived with for 18 years, and the other one you currently live with. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, All right. Speaking of fun. SRAM's transmission. Yeah. Uh, we made a YouTube video on that, like many people did. I think a lot of people have seen this. Like, if you look at all the various YouTube videos yeah. and stuff that's going around social media, you know, this is SRAM. So when they come out with a really important flagship new drivetrain product, they kind of do everything in their power to make sure every possible person who ever ridden a bike hears about it. Yeah. Um, I think they succeeded in this one. Definitely. And if you haven't heard about it... Um, Get out from under that rock. Yeah. No, they're not under a rock because they're listening to the Mountain Bike Podcast. So True. That's their news source. So Yeah, or they're not into good social on media. You. Yeah, good on you for yeah. not wasting your time on social media. Or they've heard it a million times and they're like, I'm sick of hearing about the SRAM transmission. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it is pretty cool. I think people will find it a lot more cool once they ride it. Like, it looks good. Yeah. The concept's good. Doesn't yep. use a derailleur hanger. It, it's a hard thing to talk about on a podcast. So if you get a chance and you haven't seen our YouTube video, um, go to YouTubes and check, take a look at that. Um, but essentially, SRAM, how many years ago did they come out with UDH, the Universal uh, Derailleur Hanger? I believe like three, yeah, three-ish years ago. I thought it was more than that. Four at the most, so. but mm-hmm. I believe it was three. They might have announced it four years ago, but bikes didn't start coming with it till like yeah. a bit later on, right? Yeah, because derailleur hangers have always been a problem. Um, they're all different fitments for all these different brands, and that's a total nightmare to begin with. And it's kind of just a strange idea and design that was never really that good. Mm-hmm. Um, SRAM decided to say, hey, why don't we just make a universal one, and all of the bike brands can use this, you know, use our design. It's it's open. Here's the information. Everyone I won't say everyone, but a lot of people, all the prominent brands, almost everyone started adopting this UDH, Universal Derailleur Hanger, and it works great. It was super convenient because then there was just a lot less, you know, different hangers out there. Uh, Turns out it was a long-term plan for SRAM to then go, hey, guess what? That same design that you made to fit this UDH on your frame, now our derailleur mounts directly to that, so we don't even need the hanger anymore. 
Yeah, which I'm sure SRAM probably told these brands three, four years ago that said, hey, we're going to make a drivetrain that works to this. So yeah. if you want it to work, have your frame spec the UDH. Yeah, and I saw uh, somewhere in like a Q&A where they've been working on the transmission for like six or seven years. Yeah. So they definitely already had that in mind. When yeah. they, mm-hmm. It was supposed you to know. come out last year and they just held off because, no. you know, yeah. COVID. Smart Turmoil. stuff. Yeah. Yep. Um, but speaking of hangers, just a quick note. I remember being so frustrated trying to get hangers at the normal shop and just looking up hangers on wheels manufacturing and trying to match the hangers to the <laughs> yeah. one I pulled off yeah, this road bike. It's insane, yeah. Anyone who's like, ever worked oh in a bike shop God. knows the derailleur hanger nightmare. And then yeah. brands would change from like model year and it'd be like, why did you change? Like yeah. you like, yeah. the spec was barely even different, but it doesn't work anymore. So like <laughs> the 2009 Roubaix doesn't work with the 2010 Roubaix and like yeah. so on and just... I just remember having a hanger wall of just hangers. Yeah, well, so like, wheels manufacturing, for whatever reason, decided to take that challenge on years and years yeah. ago. And they they machine basically every hanger for every bike ever and have it in this massive database. Um, and they were they were shipping these, which we had one. I'm sure you did too, these, like, m- these massive posters. Oh, they, yeah. they were probably three feet by four feet a poster with all of their hangers. And, and they were printed an actual size. So when you're a bike mechanic, you mm-hmm. had whatever hanger from whatever bike, and you could go to it and, like, wow. put it up there as, a, as if it was a puzzle piece. <laughs> like, is it this one? Is it that one? Some, is it 4297? Oh, yeah. no, 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 no. It's 3278. Someone, I think it's 3278. <laughs> someone would be the same crazy. but have, like, a little notch. It's like, oh, yeah, my it's, gosh. It was crazy. That's absurd. Yeah. yeah. yeah it makes you so, uh, wonder, yeah, well, gosh, why would anybody want to get rid of the derailleur hanger? It's like, well. Yeah. Well, not only, I mean, not just get rid of it, but, like, making a universal right, one is universal. so nice like yeah as soon as that came out i was like wow that's a standard that everyone will get behind yeah and now moving forward your derailleur mounts directly to the frame it's like this incredible prob- probably should have been done at the beginning of like the inception of the bicycle like let's make one standard part to hold the derailleur yeah. to the bike now like everybody come up with your own yeah it, it was hard because there was a lot of different axle configurations that's true yeah. that's what made it harder you know bikes kind of yeah. came from road and they had those qr axles and then they had the the 12 by 142 and then yeah. it went to 12 by 148 True, so yeah you also have mountain bikes which need a more robust hanger and road bikes which are worried about weight and don't really need a robust one so but now yeah. a lot of road bikes are coming with udh too right i mean starting to i want to yeah. say a lot but i'd say they're trickling yeah yeah nice yeah so sram's new transmission obviously the most common question that appeared everywhere is that the the derailleur, you know, because it sort of looks like a vice grip a little bit, clamps directly onto the frame. Everyone thought, well, the whole point of that hanger was so that when you crash on the right side of your bike, your hanger bends and you don't damage your frame or your derailleur mm-hmm. and you just damage your $25 hanger. So that was kind of like the the reason the derailleur hanger existed. Now it's gone and the derailleur mounts directly there. Everyone thought, well, I'm either going to A, damage my derailleur or damage my frame or both. So this is a terrible design. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it turns out, yes, Ram thought of that. Um, that's not really ever going to happen. Yeah. Um, you guys made a uh, – I was on vacation when I saw the video, and I was like, <laughs> yeah, you guys nailed it. I was I was very proud of you guys. You made that video. Whose foot was that? It was that? Trevor it was jumping Trevor's up and foot. down on that. Yeah. Um, he was like – it was all of his weight, just to be clear. Like, people were like, oh, you got to yeah. hold on to something. Like, he was ginger. Like, no, he was full on all of his weight. He's, like, probably almost yeah. 200 pounds, like, jumping on it. And it, and then yeah, like I yeah, put it in the stand, it just doesn't bend. Afterwards, yeah. yeah. And I was like, okay, in my head, I'm thinking, if you tried this with any derailleur, like it's oh, screwed, it's destroyed. Yeah, yeah. yeah like your, your hanger is probably broken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So not only is that derailleur assembly stronger, but the frames are also 
designed around a thickness that the UDH calls for. Yeah. So there's also, you know, a thick piece of alloy or carbon that, you know, is in between this derailleur as well. So yeah. it's kind of fully optimized all the way around. Yeah. But not only that, like people are saying, oh, well, you know, it'll snap my chainsaw or whatever. It's like, actually, isn't it like the load, if you hit something, isn't it being transferred hypothetically into the axle because it's basically interfaced directly with their axle threads? Yeah. yeah. Like instead Yeah, well, the of, axle runs through it. Right. Yeah. So like you're, it's going to transfer so like, any physical force to the axle instead of to your yeah. chainstay. So like the idea that it's going to like snap your chainstay from hitting your derailleur on a rock is just kind of like... Yeah, there's yeah. no way. Yeah, there's no way. Yeah. I'm just going to say it's extremely robust and, yeah. you know, most crashes aren't going to hurt this derailleur. Yeah, most is a 99.8 yeah. percent yeah. of crashes are going to yeah. be absolutely fine with yeah. this. Uh, Actually, obviously, way better than a hanger. Yeah. Right. Everything's breakable, so it's not unbreakable. But Yeah. But um, we got yeah. a lot of comments on that, and I was like, listen, we got a lot of armchairs, armchair engineers yeah, in the audience was. here, like – like this yeah. stuff is legit. Like it is robust. It is strong. They've obviously tested it. Like they've been testing this for years. It's not like they just come out with it and they're like, "Oh, you guys try it out. Let us know how it works." Yeah. You know, they've like been um, proving this stuff in yeah, the field. Nino Shooter, shorter shooter, shooter, Nino Shooter, Shooter. I don't know how to say, say his name. Um, anyways, Nino, uh, the goat of cross country mountain bike racing, multi multi world champion, the goat. yeah, everything. Yeah. Uh, actually crashed his bike on the right side, slid out at the last year's world champs picked up his bike and kept riding and it was a pretty decent crash that he probably would have had bad shifting and or needed a bike swap um wow. and he had that derailleur on it prototype form and it was fine so nice real world test yeah seriously i mean what more proof do you need yeah one yeah, of world championship that's pretty good i think that's one of those things that people are going to eventually where i was like oh yeah once i see it in person they push yeah. on it they see how it's designed well, they see how it connects to the axle i mean yeah, yeah. it's not everything gonna be a question right? anymore yeah. carbon mountain bike wheels those are gonna break yeah a few did a lot did carbon but frames. Like, they've gone around carbon yeah. frames carbon frames Everyone's 29 like, carbon inch frames wheels. are basically made out of paper mache yeah. for like six years until they're like oh, I, oh okay they work i got yeah. one now like and then it's like 20, yeah, it's 20, 29 inch mountain bike wheels those yeah. things can't handle a downhill load yeah. oh well guess yeah. how many world cups those have one yeah. you know yeah, yeah. so it's just like everything you know yeah, um, true. There will be early adopters, and then eventually everybody's just going to be like, all right, yeah, we were wrong. Or they were not going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> they're, yeah. they're just going to be like, yeah, I was wrong. I will say when it first was, like, announced and coming, I was like, cool, it's a new design. You know, mounts mm. direct to the hangar, eliminates variables. There's no limit screws, which is really awesome. Like, yeah, yeah no higher, no low limit screw and or, no B-tension yeah. screw. So it takes away a lot of setup, yes, with – 12 speed was extremely sensitive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, more so than like people realize. And you had to put the B tension uh, gauge on under sag for it to shift right. Mm -hmm. um, so I thought that was cool. But I wasn't expecting transmission to be like, oh, wow, I need this on my bike. You know, it's just like, yeah, that's cool. If I was a UDH bike, you know, slap it on, then yeah. rode it. And it was like, oh, this like kind of changes the way you ride a bike a little bit. Yeah. You know, Game changer. especially in a race situation, for sure. Yeah, yeah, because of shifting under load. Yeah, yeah, yeah. which I don't think we got to necessarily no. just yet. But no. the, that's, that's where I was getting, Jeff. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. it all connects. Well, you went with the game changer before you explained why. <laughs> He was going there. It's game changing because oh. of the shifting under load. Mm. You might say that yourself. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> there was. Oh man, I gotta say it. There was a. SRAM's sort of marketing pitch deck of this whole drivetrain system that they sent out. Uh, it, it 
there's just no way it was put together by mountain bikers. <laughs> it was like a, some PR agency that just tossed in, like they just looked up most most game. They typed into Google most game changing adjectives, and they just used every single one over and over and over. Oh, we were just cracking up reading this thing. It was yeah. It was like it was written by somebody who just I don't know graduated art yeah. school, and they are using every single synonym in the book. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> dude, so funny. Yeah. He was like, the world is changed as you know it. Like, yeah, it's a good mountain bike drivetrain, but <laughs> we, didn't, we sh- didn't just solve global warming yeah, with a snap of the fingers or anything. So no one, <laughs> That's how it was presented, yeah, though. Yeah, it was presented like that. It was, yeah, it was really funny. funny. It's like, yeah, it's really good, but um, we have not solved the world just hunger. Calm down. Calm down. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's good. It is good, but calm but, down. But the shifting under load is yeah. very impressive. It yeah. is wild. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it immediately puts a smile of amazement on your face when you ride that thing, yeah. and you can just shift unbelievably perfectly as hard as you're possibly pedaling. Yeah, over and over and yeah. over again. And, I, yeah, it's I was riding it this morning and just like shifting mid switch back and just shifting where oh, it shouldn't. Yeah, and yeah. I was just like having so much fun. Just like it's like doing something that you know is wrong but like it works yeah you're like deliberately yeah. abusing it yeah and having fun doing it yeah and it just <laughs> it's like kind of masochistic doesn't, in a way. yeah it doesn't skip a beat yeah skip a gear nothing it's just right there i'm also excited to see how it works on e-bike too just because i've heard it like be even more convenient thing. to be able to do that on an e-bike right like i mean i've personally snapped a chain on an e-bike just from you know a bad shift or whatever but yeah. And it's harder to time your shifts on an e-bike too because yeah. you got that whole sort of delay before well the hub engages and the right. delay before the motor engages so it's just more challenging to time shifts perfectly and yep. you don't really need to time shifts on this like you can just yeah. pedal away and push the shift buttons and there it goes. Totally. So, well a couple important things to note. Obviously this whole system only works on bikes that have UDH mm-hmm. um, or designed for the UDH and then uh, it's currently only in access, so wireless electronic, premium level, XO, XX, and XXSL. Yep. Um, so just the high-end stuff, that, yeah. uh, which is typically, historically, how SRAM has released this stuff. They released, yep. like, the two flagship versions of their new drivetrain, and then it, you know, trickles down to GX at a, at a later point. Yeah. Um, you know, will this come into GX and win? Who knows? Um, will it ever come with a cable? I don't know. I, I, I mean, who I knows? I think they're pretty adamant if the FAQs that this is going to be a wireless drivetrain moving forward forever. Only, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, they could make, a, a obviously, a cabled derailleur to mount, mm. but I don't think they could do the whole no limits, no B-tension thing with a cable. Yeah, that makes sense. They might be able to, but you'd still have to adjust a cable and micro-adjust it. Yeah, so that yeah. makes sense, which is okay. It's like, honestly, I think the coolest part, personally for me, is just like the, you know, how it's how it's mounted, which leads to the perfect shifting. You mm-hmm. know, it's like, yeah, that's, that's what I'm after. Um, but yeah, I also did see that 5Dev is making chain rings for it. They saw him post, post it today, which is kind of cool. Yeah. So that way, eventually, you probably don't need to buy the whole kit. Well, what's yeah? What's so different about the chain ring? Um, it uses a different chain roller diameter for the twelve speed versus old Eagle. So, uh, so it needs a proprietary chain ring. Yeah, mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah, so, so that's why also the cranks are different. The, the so crank, you can't just slap yeah. the old chain ring on the new, crank. Chain, chain ring crank. and cassette are <clears throat> proprietary to itself. Uh, but they did say like, if you wanted to put that chain ring chain and cassette on old Eagle, it would work. 
It just might not be as optimized for the shift ramps and the timing and everything. Right, but not the other way around. But not the other way yeah, around. Like you couldn't right. put an old chain on a new cassette or chain ring. Yeah, the, right. the whole you know drivetrain, cassette, chain, chain ring has to be together no matter right. what. Right. Um, so, yeah. And it's also only available as a five-piece kit currently, which meaning cassette, chain, chain, well, crank and chain ring, derailleur, and shifter pod. So yeah. can't, can't buy all the cart just yet. Yeah, which will happen eventually, just like it did when they yeah. initially yeah. released Access. But and yeah, they'll have to uh, time. offer spares too soon. And like you got to get a new mm-hmm. chain, yeah. you got to get a new cassette, parts for your derailleur if you do And I was going to say, the derailleur is now like, I don't, I've seen photos that are broken down like 10, yeah. 12, 15 parts that you can replace every individual part now. Fully replaceable. Which you couldn't on access before. You can only get like pulley wheels yeah. in the outer cage. Or most derailers for that matter. Yeah. You can only replace um, like a cage and that's mm-hmm. about it. So now you can replace a lot of this derailleur. So that's cool. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, they did a good job. They kind of thought of everything, but I'm not surprised. It's SRAM. I yeah. Mean, there's a reason SRAM is a massive, prominent mountain bike drivetrain manufacturer because they know what they're doing dare say taking over the mountain bike drivetrain world yeah Yeah. yep i actually this was in february of 2020 i went to sram's germany facility in frankfurt um it was like a large uh i guess what was that that was a there was a conference for like sram's large distributors um ironically sram's largest five largest retailers in the world are the same size as their distributors so you get to go if you're one of them and we are so nice. that's why i went and why i was there and that's where they make they, that's where they manufacture and do all the prototyping for all of their drivetrain development and it was unbelievable. Um, like, I, I I was shocked at the level of sophistication and the amount of tools and equipment and various things they had there, and I was kind of blown away. I was like, well, this feels a little bit more like NASA for mountain bike drivetrains. <laughs> like, wow. Well, I remember take it seriously. Like, Who's paying for all this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we are because we all ride SRAM yeah, drivetrains. That's yeah. true. I remember you saying there's just like a, you know, a setup on, you know, being moved by a machine. That was just sitting there running a chain up and down the cassette for yeah. like your like 150 hours or something. Yeah, like that. so it was like a glass box, and there was a a cassette like a whole drivetrain system in there, and it was it was motorized, so the cranks were just spinning, and then the chain was just shifting all the way up and all the way down and all the way up and all the way down. And there was probably four different cameras pointing at it, and then all these different lasers pointing at it. And there was five of these glass boxes. <laughs> and they're like, oh yeah, those just run perpetually. <laughs> And then they like that's what they're using to measure that's the so wear bad. and like analyze what it looks like after a thousand miles versus ten thousand after twenty thousand. It's just like what is going on here? It was so badass. Yeah, yeah, it was nuts. And it's like, well, that's just what it takes, you know? Like yeah. that's what it takes to build premium level mountain bike stuff and continue to make it even better than it already is, which yeah. is already pretty good. So, yeah, innovation is pretty cool. Innovation is cool, man. Yeah. Um, yeah, so SRAM Transmission, they also did, so just for clarification, it's called T-Type, T-Type. So, like, or it's called Transmission, it's kind of... Or it's also yeah, Eagle Transmission. Yeah, there's Eagle also Transmission. Eagle, Eagle Transmission, which is abbreviated to ET. Yeah, they didn't really... Yeah, the naming is a little confusing they there. They didn't yeah. keep it consistent. Because it's not really a transmission, to be honest. I mean... I did see a funny comment well, that said, should I buy... E- SRAM transmission or replace a transmission on my Ford F-150 at <laughs> the same price. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you want. <laughs> that, is, that is pretty good. Yeah. 
but they they did a good launch with that in the sense that uh, all the prominent uh, distributors and retailers had the stuff in stock. So like we were able to you know participate in the launch of the product and have all of it in stock and still do. So yeah. it's like yeah. if you're frothing for the latest and greatest absolute best mountain bike drivetrain, um, yeah, we got it, which is cool. Totally frothing, bro. I'm frothing. If you're dude. frothing, and if you're also uh, quick disclaimer. Or just a note for me. Oh. Uh, if you've been on the Worldwide Cycler website in the last two weeks, three weeks, and the filter menu, like all those various filters on the left-hand side, didn't work or were missing or were broken or looked wrong, uh, I've been working on that tirelessly because it broke out of nowhere because of some weird API issue behind the scenes. And He, he literally hasn't nightmare. slept in two weeks. Um, or WWW. Well, that's a whole other problem that shouldn't. Hopefully, no one figures that one out. <laughs> There's running a running a website at the size of ours is is quite challenging and complex. Um, when you're on the budget of a mountain bike business, um, you know, one day Bezos will step in and help us out. But until yeah. then, we're gonna have a few glitches on the website. And if you if you honestly if you find them, please send us an email because. Um, it's really helpful it. yeah. um, to know if like something on our website's broken. I, I don't know. Do you want Bezos to step in? Have you used Amazon and Seller Central? Amazon does. Yeah. Suck. <laughs> Do you want but us to front, have P breaks? The, the front end of. Yeah. <laughs> that was funny. Thank you. That was a good. That was a good. That was a good uh, little nudge there. That that. I wonder if people remember that when they were in the headlines for not allowing their Amazon delivery drivers to take a pee break, and they all were peeing in bottles. And everyone's like, "This is blasphemy." And then every guy who's been on a road trip's like, I pee in bottles all the time. <laughs> What's the big deal? <laughs> There's a difference between wanting to and not being allowed yeah, to. Yeah, that's, that that's a valid point. Yeah. Yeah. It's a valid point. But um, um, I think you were alluding to the fact that they also, SRAM also released stealth brakes. Yeah. The stealth brakes, I think they were uh, a little bit overshadowed because the drivetrain was so cool and. Yeah. Well, drivetrain, I mean, to me, the drivetrain was a lot more notable and interesting. The stealth brakes were like, all right, cool. It's like a. Slight in, revision to the lever body. Yeah, um, I was going to say, in, in all know, honesty, it's, it's not, not really new. Yeah. They just kind of moved the master cylinder closer to the handlebar. Reworked it a little reworked bit. Reworked it. The internals, for the most part, are all the same. The brake pads are the same. They did away with G2 now in the stealth brakes, and now they just have level four piston or code. They have two levels of each. Yeah. That's kind of it. Does it cool colors. use the same G2 pad? The level four. level four piston uses the same G2 pad, correct? Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. So hmm. better update the titles of the brake pads mm. on the website. Yeah. Hmm. Note to self. Note to self. Well, I'm not really the one in charge of that, so note yeah. to Pat or whoever does yeah. that. Pat needs a redirect on <laughs> yeah. that. Nice. Right. Yeah, those are cool. Whatever. Yeah, the 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 cables exit the lever body way more directionally towards the handlebar. Um which well, even I'd say parallel with the handlebar. Yeah, it's a good way to describe it on a podcast. I yeah. guess. Well, I feel like almost almost slightly towards it. it. Yeah, I guess it kind of does. Well, put it this know. way: it's, if you're running a handlebar bag, i.e., bike packing or something, um, or you run number plates often because you race a lot, this is actually a yeah. really convenient design setup. Or have stealth or uh, excuse me, headset cable routing. Yeah, or if your bike has headset cable routing, um, this is a way better sort of design for the angle of the hose to come out of the brake lever yeah. towards yeah. your. You know, if you don't do any of those things, then it kind of doesn't look that great. Yeah, it's probably not even really. In worth my it. opinion, yeah. yeah, I spent a good. I don't know. Jared stopped on my house last night, and I was. Spent a good thirty minutes just figuring out how to run my cables on the new brakes and how to yeah. cut them. I mm. just kind of like, mm. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, 
it's it's to have better routing with internal headset cable routing. Yeah. But I want to know who is Who's like pushing leading that? the charge for this. The headset cable routing <laughs> mafia. They, put, they were just fine. Yeah, somebody is be, the Illuminati yeah. Yeah, for the last, behind the scenes here. Yeah. The last three to five years, tube and tube internal cable routing has been pretty good. Yeah. And our company, even Yeti, their new stuff, the way they tighten it up. It's and perfect. it's so secure and no noise. Yeah, it's a really good design. Yeah. We yeah. don't need to go through the headset. So any no. bike company... It's listening yeah. to our little podcast. Please don't, don't, don't do it. Please don't. Or just go ahead and read any of the literally infinite yeah. number of comments all over the internet yeah. amongst mountain bikers to tens of thousands just saying, stop doing that. Yeah. Like, why Why are brands doing right? like brands designing it like yeah. that? And I, I saw, really don't know. There's no reason for that. I saw Commonsol's Tempo did that. Mm-hmm. And then they came out with another bike that they went back and they they're not doing the headset cable. Yeah. Well, it's, this kind of is, feels like super boost. Remember when everyone's like, Oh, super yeah. boost is going to be a thing. And a few brands did it. And now they're like, oops, yeah. <laughs> no one else but, did it. Everyone hated it. Never mind. That ha- that's happening. Yeah. Super boost. It's stupid. Yeah. Um, yeah. The tempo though is more of a short travel XC. Right. So maybe that's where they're going where the other bike they teased was yeah. a enduro bike. Yeah. Um, the forest all has internal headset cable routing. Um, and I think it's better than most. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them go like through the stem, some go through spacers, and others just go right into the, like the dust cover. Mm-hmm. So there's also inconsistencies there. Yeah, um, I haven't had an issue, but it is a little bit of pain if you want to swap brakes. Yeah, but yeah, or, a little harder to work on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. true. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. that's speaking it. Of, uh, Transmission. Speaking of uh, bike stuff, Liam, how was Taiwan and the bike show? The Taipei Cycle Show. The Taipei Cycle Taipei Show. Taipei Cycle Show in Taiwan. Um, it was really cool. Yeah. Well, for starters, that's that's explain what it is. Yeah. What so is the Taipei Cycle Show. The Taipei show Cycle about? Show is more of a kind of vendor um, and manufacturing show versus your classic sea otter or what you know used to be inner bike where brands are on display showing their product. There was some brands there. Um, but it's more or less the the manufacturers and the uh, vendors who make products for the bike yeah, industry. Very much an industry event. Yeah. So people who actually are manufacturing products, um, utilizing various Asian manufacturers. You go and you meet and you talk about designs and look at stuff. And yeah, yeah. So I I went mainly on behalf of Trail One, um, and just meeting with everyone I've been talking to over the last three to four years. That during COVID we've never met. Um, they really like it when people go over there and meet them. It's, you know, big respect thing to them. Um, so it was cool to do that and just meet all these people that make our Trail One products, uh, as well as just look at new projects and look at new, you know, areas we can go with Trail One. So, yeah, super cool. And um, the Revel Bikes guys were uh, kind enough to let me tag along and show me the ways. And, uh, yeah, it was really cool. Yeah, nice. That's pretty sweet. That's rad. And to add context, um, Trail One is a brand that we co-founded and spun up, how long ago? A year and a half ago? Uh, November of 21, we launched that. Yeah. And the idea was like to have a good outlet to build various mountain bike products that we've always wanted and design them the way that we want to design them. And we, you know, tagged along with uh, BKXC, Brian Kennedy, 
Um, he's doing a lot of storytelling and we have a whole component to the brand of giving back to trail networks for every product that sells. And then it's also just been a really good outlet for myself and Liam to do product development and design grips that we wanted and stem that we wanted. And, uh, we're going to continue to do that with more stuff. So if you guys have anything that you want to see trail one make, uh, let us know. Or just like random questions about manufacturing of that stuff. Cause that's been a really fun project for us to do. Um, yeah, we're enjoying it. I just think that, you know, more businesses should make good premium level product, but also have like a good philanthropic element to that business in general. So it's worked, worked yeah. well for trail one. And Agreed. Liam does a ton of the product development himself, which is why he went to the Taipei cycle show on behalf of trail one. Yeah. Yeah. So it was really cool just seeing, you know, these brands and kind of talking to them about how stuff's made and just hearing more behind the scenes industry stuff that, uh, isn't really told, which is super cool and interesting. Um, you know, how to sign a lot of NDAs, so can't speak too much on that stuff. But, uh, <laughs> Men can talk. <laughs> but, yeah, it was, it was really cool and eye-opening, and it uh, got me really motivated for some projects uh, that's to start with Trail One. So. Did you see anything uh, mind-blowing that's going to revolutionize our ride? That's what I was going to ask him. <laughs> uh, well, Transmission was there. SRAM had a big booth, and oh, that really? is game-changing, revolutionary product yeah, that is going to – you know, completely change the way we ride bikes. World changing. Yeah. Wow. I guess uh, my question would be, so going there, did you, you know, we have talked about the theory of sort of product innovation plateau, bikes not really getting all that much better, just like small gains. Did you, is that theory more confirmed or less confirmed? It's definitely a little more confirmed not to be super pessimistic, but I think especially this year coming Reality is not always yeah. pessimistic. It's just reality. Just, just coming out of the COVID boom and into where we are now and kind of this lull. Um, yeah, it seemed like a little bit of innovation and then just a little bit of, uh, you know, just a little bit of unknown. So, yeah. Mm. yeah. All righty. Yeah. I mean, well, it's going to be tough to top, you know, to transmission top. release, like in terms of innovation this year. We'll see about that. Oh. See if any of our listener questions have to do with that. Oh, that's right. Let's jump into those. And now, a word from our sponsors. Hey, guys. Jeff here. I know I promised the MTB podcast would stay ad-free and that I would never sell out, but uh, I think I did add a disclaimer that if somebody paid us an exorbitant amount of money, I would sell out, and that's actually happened. So here's a legitimately paid ad. Hi, I'm Jeff from Jeff Valley Bank. If you've recently lost your money in a banking fiasco, we'd love for you to consider Jeff Valley Bank, a new AI bank that is a secure place to store your money. Based in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, we've been in business for three months, backed by the Bezos Musk Billionaires Fund. Sign up today to get a bonus 6% APR on your new checking account and a free fridge magnet. Fridge magnet requires $2.99 shipping and handling charge. And now, back to the show. Wow. Speaking of good points... I think this first question, I mean, it's something that I've thought about for a while, but I didn't read any. Of these. I never I'm really, really unprepared. Perfect, today. because I want you to be flying by the seat of your pants. Okay. If mostly everything on a bike is measured in metric, including road bike wheels and tires, why are mountain bike wheels and tires measured in inches? Uh, doesn't make any sense. The, that's that's a super valid question. I'll tell you exactly why. Because I looked into it. Oh god! <laughs> it's because mountain bikes originated in the U.S. Be and so for that reason we measure things in inches. It's literally that easy. Yeah, well, the imperial system makes about as much sense as uh, I don't know, dipping dots out of a leather shoe. Yeah, two two cans living in <laughs> Tuscaloosa, Alabama. <laughs> 
But yeah, that is exactly why it's because mountain bikes came out of America and we use that stupid imperial system. Is it, that's a risky claim you just made. I no, it is. Yeah. It's on a website. Wikipedia. <laughs> on what <laughs> website? Yeah. You know, I'm just saying. Bike like, radar. There's going to be 100 people from Germany like, no, no, no. It was invented here. That's what I like. I just... <laughs> Some liability it was, it was with on, that it's answer. It's pretty well it was on a Wikipedia page. It's actually <laughs> Bike Radar, which is a pretty reliable source. Let's hope. It's pretty reliable. And honestly, I mean, what what is there a dispute? Like mountain bikes originated in, you know, what? Uh, I just think that people Marin might. County and yeah. what? Crested Butte. You know, all these places where people started mountain biking. So the bicycle didn't originate in America, no. which is why it's mostly in metric. Right. Almost entirely in metric. Right. But the mountain bike. Yes. Okay. I mean, it makes sense. I guess, and then the road wheel is 700C. There's yeah. a lot of other weird and questions you could ask here because, like, 700C is a road wheel actually 700 centimeters? It's no. not. And then why? What even is, is that? 650B. That's irrelevant. Why is it also so, not C? Why isn't 650C? There is a 650C. We oh, are not bike historians. We are modern day mountain bikers. Next question. <laughs> Next question. Why are some forks flipped upside down? Because they want to be. Oh, okay. Next question. Well. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is that meaning uh, like, like inverted, inverted fork, like your intent yeah. fork? Yeah. Man, that intent fork. Oh. I just rode that Banshee yesterday. Oof. By the way, we we custom built a Banshee Titan. Oh man, that is that you is love one. It. That is one bike. You love it. Yeah, I rode it in Sedona, which I didn't really get the best test of it in Sedona because Sedona is such weird. There's no perfect yeah. bike riding. for Sedona except yeah, for that so, last trail we rode. You rode that. That's though, true. So yeah, that yeah, was that was for the. It. Yeah, I thought it was hilarious because everyone was just glowing. That was the best trail. That was the best trail. And I said, that was the least Sedona-like yeah. trail in this entire place. <laughs> it's like the most. Everyone loved it. It's like the most desert like SoCal trail fast. there is. Yeah. 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 Downhill. Yeah. Um, but We didn't even talk about the Sedona Bike Festival. No. Wait, uh, well, we were there. I mean. Because the last yeah, podcast we true. did was the, the day we arrived. Yeah. And, um, yeah, we still had a good time. We yeah. had a great we time. Rode, we didn't do it was a fun festival. If you want to go. I highly recommend it. It's a fun place. Yeah. Hopefully they move it to April. So it doesn't I, end I actually heard sometimes. a rumor they're moving to like, uh, sorry, August. Oh, wow. Isn't yeah. it hot there It probably will be hot. Or, so, so they're moving it. I heard they're to moving the to fall. That's good. Yeah. Fall's yeah. good. Cool. Nice. That's a good time for Sedona. But, oh, so, yeah. So the inverted fork. deed off of that. The inverted fork. Yeah. So intend. Intend that uh, I, I'm still perplexed on intend as a company. Maybe uh, we could get their CEO on the podcast at some point. Yes. Yeah. What they make is just unbelievable in terms of suspension. They just yep. came out with those, those crazy brakes. brakes. Yeah. My God, now you those, need those brakes, dude. You do need <laughs> I those. I know. Brakes. I was looking at those. You know, and I was like, Oh, I want those so bad. I don't want to pay for those. As They're good, like uh, as good as SRAM brakes are, I was building that bike, going, you know, these brakes just aren't so um, like boutique yeah. enough. Boutique enough. Yeah, you for need this that bike. They're not boutique enough. But I will say, those SRAM codes, they're so powerful. Oh, they're amazing. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I mostly ride that Revel Ranger, which I have those G2s on, which is my mo- most commonly ridden trail bike that I use. And the G2s, I think, work great and I enjoy them. Yeah. But those codes are like, wow, next yeah. level. I have to be careful. Like, I have to, like, switching from those bike to bike, I'm like, well, I really got to. And you do have those crazy intent rotors, which might make them even more mm, powerful. Yeah. True. Yeah, so that bike has the intent fork. It's an inverted fork. Yeah. Um, I did notice, though, uh, a little bit more flex huh. on that fork. Interesting. In, in weird situations. So there's that one um, on that one trail, which we call Tricycle Trail, yeah. Yeah. Water Tower. These are all like weird, irrelevant trails, terms for yeah. everybody, but Newberry Park locals. Jank trails. There's a, you can do that triple. 
Yeah. Or you can like, but yesterday it was kind of windy. So I was doing just, I would land in a manual, uh, like basically double into a manual yeah. into the last little roller. Well, if you try to make the triple now, it just hurts because the kid's like screwed with that jump. Yeah. So. yeah. And it's just kind of sketchy in the wind. Yeah, that too. Um, so I was just doing the double in a, in a manual. And when I would like land on the back wheel in a manual, I could kind of feel a little, hmm. I mean, I, like negligible. Like kind of like bows yeah. out of touch. Yeah. Yeah. But, but so... I don't know. It is weird, right? So that inverted but, fork, there's no arch there. Yeah. But it's supposed to be, it's supposed to be hypothetically stiffer because the crown is thicker. Yeah. And the and the but, stanchions but are is, on the bottom. But there is no crown. There's in the no middle. right. That's yeah, true. Like there's no crown fork. in the middle. But like, but yeah. that flex is probably good in other situations that you don't notice, but it probably tracks. I know. Better. That's that was one of those things that it was it was so negligible. I kind of thought like, huh, I felt that, but would I have felt it the same way if I was on a Fox 38 or a yeah. RockShox Zeb? And even though I felt it, did it matter? Yeah. I don't know. So I, I'd have to do more back-to-back testing. But either way, that suspension on that bike, that intense stuff, because I have that rear shock too, I was just blown away. I was like, yeah. man, this bike And it is, good. air quotes, flipped upside down. Yeah. Um, Stanchions yeah. on the bottom. Yeah. I couldn't stop, like, thinking about how nice that, like, how good that suspension worked and how just unbelievably amazing it looked. And then thinking... I just don't even want to, it's, it's expensive, you know? Yeah. So it's like, of course my Ferrari looks good. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you should buy one yourself, peasant. You know, it's just like, I don't know. I just have this like weird dichotomy I had like, should I tell people how good this is? Because it's like, I don't know. Uh, uh, yeah. I don't know, I'm just being honest with the whole well, situation. I think it's one of those things I, it was where so good, though. people that are curious. Floating on a cloud. Because it's like you obviously look at a Ferrari, Porsche, whatever. Like you know it's yeah. fast. It has and, it has like the reputation. It, right? Yeah. But yeah. like this stuff, it's like it's kind of new, right? It's like relatively new to the our world. Yeah. So people are like, wow, like, is it better than for the Ferrari or the Porsche? Yeah. Like so. I mean if 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 budget is not of your concern, um, then yeah, I would I would ride that suspension. So, there you go. Yeah. There you That's go. Fine. But I also like rare boutique off the wall brands and intend is absolutely yeah. Kind of yeah. the pinnacle of that type of brand. So, but to, to bring, actually wow. try to Full answer circle. the question, yeah. <laughs> um, what was the question again? Why, why, <laughs> why are they upside down? Upside down in relevant With, terms yeah, to mountain bike yeah. suspension. Uh, a lot of moto, almost all moto forks are flipped upside down. Mm-hmm. Um, the oil rests on the seals, which gives you better lubrication. Um, so that's a big part of it. But I think on the mountain bike world, from the consensus is from like RockShox tried it with the RS1 a couple years ago. They just can't get the weight and the stiffness to balance for a mountain bike setup. Where moto, yeah, mountain bikes are harder because of weight. Yeah, moto can be heavy. Weight's not as mm-hmm. yeah thing. So I think that's like the well, remember, general. I don't know if you reason? Fox tried it. A DH. A DH yeah. fork, yeah, the Athertons were rotting it, and there was all sorts of spy shots. It yeah. never went to production, but it was a prototype Fox inverted downhill fork. Mm-hmm. Um, so they crazy tried to spend it, but that it much money on that. Yeah, yeah, it never, it never went yeah. to production. So wow. I don't know. Yeah, mountain bikes struggle with it because of the weight limitation. Yeah. That's more meaningful. And then what? The Manitou Dorado. That's yeah. inverted. Yeah. People love that fork. People yeah. raved about that fork a yeah. years ago, but kind of never went further so yeah and i mean downhill is just a sort of a niche category yeah. in the mountain bike scene to begin Down, with downhill so. is like f1 anyways so yeah yeah well there you go why are yeah. some flipped upside down because yeah for some reasons and they feel like it we got more fork questions the design is superior other than weight right correct yeah there you go speaking of forks speaking of forks is there a noticeable difference between stanchion sizes 
For example, Nino Scherter won the XC World Cups with the 35mm stanchion SID, and Brandon Semenuk won World Red Bull Rampage, also with the 35mm stanchions on his boxer. How is this possible? That was not a part of the question, but I added it. Marketing just, you know, makes it all up. Well, first thing, the (laughs) Um, boxer is a dual crown, so there's a bunch of added stiffness there. Um, So it's almost hard to compare them. And then the stanchion (laughs) thickness is going to be different. The lower leg assembly thickness is going to be different. Like the wall thickness of the stanchion. Correct. Instead of just the whole overall diameter, to be clear. Um, Yeah, the OD is the same, the outer diameter, but the ID, the inner diameter, is Uh going to be... Uh, basically smaller on the boxer because it is going to uh, require more stiff, a stiffer chassis. Right. The wall thickness, yeah. 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 yeah, that makes sense. Um, boxer also has a 20 mil axle. All the trail bikes have 15. Right. Um, yeah, there's a lot of differences going on here. I mean, typically, I guess if you, you know, if you look at Fox's line, it's very clear. The, the smaller diameter stanchions, the 32 is on the XC end, and then the 40s on the downhill end, and then the 34, 36, and 38 are in between, yeah. right? So it's very chronological. makes a lot more logical sense. Um, it's just easier to sort of understand. So, you know, a smaller stanchion is lighter weight. Uh, it's flexier, but that matters less if there's less travel, and it's and important bikes, if you want it to be light. And those bikes kind of want it flexier. You don't want yeah, yeah, they need, they need to be some, as stiff as a 40. Yeah. yeah, they need some level of flex there. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's all just – it's all use case dependent. Um, Fox's mind, Fox's lineup makes a lot more sense in that regard. If we're like you run a 32, it's their, it's their lightest fork. It's made for cross-country. It's the shortest travel fork they have. Um, well, excluding the gravel suspension situation, but right. that's, we're talking about bikes here. Yeah. Um, and then the 40 is the longest travel fork they have. So the longer the travel gets, the more you require stiffness, the more you require various other things. And yeah, it just yeah. makes like Fox's lineup. When you look at it, 32, 34, 36, 38, 40, it's like, oh, okay, this all makes sense. 32 yeah. is XC, 40 is DH. All these other guys in the middle are somewhere else in the middle. Yeah. Um, where it gets more confusing is rock shock cause they don't, separated as cleanly yeah. i guess yeah because they have that sit ultimate which is an xc fork but it's gets a used sit, as a trail bike sit, sit sl ultimate that's the 32 yeah. mil to make it even more confusing yeah and sit then sl sid, what is it race the day is the 35 confusing. mil just sid, sid, oh now sid it's fork. just sid yeah mm-hmm. the race day is the better damper oh yeah. even more confusing yep yeah, and then they're um, playing with wall thicknesses and big yeah, difference in yeah. axle between that. And then, then you have a Pike, Lyric, Zeb, yeah. Boxer going from yeah. the shortest travel to uh, But then the it's like travel. they go, well, I mean, I don't know. You've probably seen black box uh, boxers out there that are probably 38 mil or 40 or whatever. Yeah, they haven't, spot they haven't, they haven't said. They but, haven't released those, but yeah. it, it's going to make more sense eventually because it's going to progress to like yeah 35 mil stand, 32 35 and 38 for the zeb and then yep. whatever for the downhill fork so like most things right it's just all related to your use case yeah. and if your use case is cross country and you want something lighter weight um yeah you're gonna have a smaller diameter fork and yeah. heavier more durable longer travel bigger station yeah but to answer um, the original question there is absolutely a noticeable difference between sanction sizes depending yep. on your use case yeah Albeit, it can be very confusing if you don't know all of the nuances between the 35 mil stanchion SID and the 35 mil stanchion boxer. For sure. But yeah, like for instance, just to go like black and white, if you put whatever a 32 or 34 and then you put a 38 on your bike, like yeah, you'll you'll definitely notice it. 
I mean, for quick reference, what forks are on your oh, bikes right now? Um, let's see. I have a Fox 34 130 millimeter on my El Jefe mm-hmm. hardtail. And then I have a 160 millimeter Fox 36 on my SB140, my Yeti SB140. Yep. I've and, got that uh, in 10 fork on mine, uh, which is inverted, and I don't even know what the stanchion diameter is. Do you guys? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> Who cares? It's yeah. legit. Who cares? It's legit. <laughs> um, uh, I don't even know the travel. It's 160 or 170. Yeah, I think it's 170. Oh, I think it's amazing. Um, and then I have the the Sid Ultimate on my Revel Ranger, which is 35 mil, but like a really lightweight 35 yeah. mil. Yeah. The lightest weight, 35 yeah. mil. Interesting. What's on your bike, Liam? <laughs> um. On my SP120, I have a Fox 36 at 140 mil. Or no, Fox 34, sorry, yeah. 34 at 140 mil. On my Revel Rail 2.9, I have a RockShox Lyric at 160 mil. On my Forestall Sirion, I have a Zeb <laughs> at 170 mil. You're going to have to stanchions. cut it there because we don't have all day. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and, I have a box, and I have a boxer on my Crestline. Oh, Next question. Bo- bonus. What? I have, I have the Fox gravel fork to slap on the gravel oh, bike. Yeah. Once in a while. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. I saw you putting that on your bike, and I was like, man, gravel bikes with suspension forks. Come on. <laughs> Opens up so many you routes. Splitting hairs. Yeah. You're splitting hairs. Big routes, dude. Splitting hairs. Show us my gravel bike with flat bars. That opens up routes. <laughs> yeah, get a fork on it, and then you'll be cool. Routes. Yeah, then I'll have a hard tail. <laughs> yeah. With this old gravel fork. Oh, splitting man. hairs. But, I mean, bikes are about splitting hairs to some extent. Yeah. Yeah, oh, from the outsider's perspective, someone would be like, you have a light trail bike and a downhill bike and then a gravel bike? Aren't you splitting hairs there? Like, well, yeah, but <laughs> yeah. big hairs, yeah. in my opinion. Huge hairs. You know, <laughs> I don't have a lot of hairs, so I just split them all. Yeah. Yeah. My chest hairs. Speaking of building bikes, this is an interesting question. I don't really get this question, to be yeah, honest. I got it. I got it. What would be your overall value bike build to no budget limit, but simply the highest smiles per dollar? The no budget limit is the part of that question yeah. that's confusing. So just remove that. So I, I think what what the question is, is what would be your overall value bike build? Meaning, uh, meaning like what would it take to give you a great bike with the most amount of smiles? Oh, I see what you mean. Where right, is well. it diminishing returns on smiles? Hmm. Well, yeah, you got to, to me, I don't know how to, I'd have to like add this up in a retail sense, but to me... If I were to build a bike to give me the most smiles per dollar, it'd be alloy frame, alloy wheels, GX drivetrain, really nice. GX you know, access? Uh, no, GX yeah, mechanical. GX yeah. mechanical yeah. Um, if we're just trying to get budget, right? Mm-hmm. But have the best smiles per dollar, I'd have all that. I would go really nice suspension. So like, you know, top of the line rock shocks would be my choice. Also a little bit more affordable than some and really nice brakes, SRAM code breaks yeah um I, i'd even run alloy bar stem and oh i'd run really nice tires like you know max's yeah. tires or whatever yeah yeah i like that honestly Good i'd answer. probably agree with the exception i'd probably run fox because that's just my personal preference and so i've been running for years now have you ever had a rock shocks bike uh i had a zeb on my sp150 for okay. a while but then yeah we put the coil in it so it wasn't really like a true zeb yeah. anymore but yeah i've yeah, I just like the Fox stuff right now. Haven't mm-hmm. for a while. Yeah, both really good. Yeah, but uh, that's yeah. Honestly, that's what I would go if I was going to go value. Uh, I'd probably do Performance Elite because I don't need Kashima. Well, yeah, yeah. 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 Save a hundred bucks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would say um, 
alloy frames totally acceptable as long as the suspension design is good. Yeah, that's what matters way more than yeah. Carpenter alloy is just almost negligible now. To yeah, me. yeah, it is. Um, so I'm totally totally fine with a good alloy frame. Uh, yeah. Then beyond that, like totally fine with alloy rims. I think that's great. I would like uh, a good high engagement hub on there. Mm-hmm. Um, at le- like an i9 Enduro S. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. fifty four. T- points of or, engagement or greater or yeah dt swiss with their uh, yeah the yeah. i'm running the xm 1700s alloy ram 350 hub mm-hmm. yeah 54 though. 54 yeah. tooth in there yeah. yeah 54 is as low as i would go yeah uh and then hmm yeah what else i i don't know if i could do gx i mean you could do x01 cassette you could compromise i could do a gx derailleur but i would need an at least an xo shifter shifter for Just that feel. The, feel the feel is nice the feel gives me the smile i will give right? that to you 100 like percent. the feel to yeah. me gives me the smile yeah so if i'm talking like i'm once i'm trying to buy smiles here like yeah that's what's going to make me smile so yeah i gotta have the nicer shifter just for the the feel on there um yeah and then of course good suspension matters and uh i don't know reliable dropper post yeah and i don't know i think that's about it i don't think you got to go too crazy no but but we do (laughs) here we are because we can Uh, awesome i just just named off how many forks i have so (laughs) (laughs) right oh my gosh um speaking of bikes do you think modular bikes will ever be more common such as what gorilla gravity is doing so they're meaning modular as front triangle with different rear ends right for different travel configurations yeah Hmm. I personally don't really think so. Um, I think you're compromising in certain areas to do that. Yeah, I mean, I would agree. And I also think it's almost like, I don't know, there's two different ways you could look at it. It could also like potentially cannibalize your other bike sales, right? Like if you have a long travel bike, but you want a short travel, shorter travel bike, then you could just sell the links. Then that would take away the sale of another bike. Or then you're just keeping people in your ecosystem and they're buying more of your parts that you're producing, like to just change their own bike. Well, the the push and pull here and the compromise is economics and rider preference. Mm-hmm. But there's kind of a third part to it, right? So I, I look at it this way: you have what does the rider want, um, then you have what makes economic sense to produce, and um. I guess there's two parts, but the the rider part, what does the rider want? I think most riders at large, if I were to guess a percentage, I would say 80%, um, don't really need to get super in the weeds with this stuff. I'm like, oh, yeah. I want this head angle and this chain stay length and yeah. this bottom bracket height. Like, I just don't think it's necessary. I'd, I'd say 80% don't and 95% shouldn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I would agree. I would agree. Yeah, yeah. and then sure. there's a lot of people, you know, there's a, there's a cohort of people who uh, – you know, probably don't need to go that into the weeds, but they would be the first people to click and order a custom geo bike. Yeah. I think they ordered the right thing for themselves and then be like, I don't know what I did. Um, so I don't know. There's always that, right? So there's the, the majority of mountain bikers. There's amazing products out there right now. The bikes that work make economical sense to make, you know, they don't always have, you're not able to custom tune your seat tube angle and head tube angle, but you don't need to. Like yeah. bike companies have figured this stuff out and it's going to ride great and you're going to enjoy it. Then there's a cohort of guys who want to mess with that stuff that probably shouldn't be, but you know, yeah. it's fun. So like 
That's all why right. Why not, right? Yeah, why not? Tinkers will tinker. Yeah, and then there's then there's the small percentage of elite level racers um, that are doing it for very specific use cases and can notice the difference and have a reason to have those changes. Um, so it's kind of all over the place. So yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's it is interesting, right? You look at Atherton bikes is kind of doing that, or you can do like the custom geo yeah, sort of, maybe I, not. I mean, that's I think this a lot question's of promises a different and, though, and the fact that like. You're going the custom route, but Gorilla Gravity uses one front triangle and then yeah. swaps out the rear end for different travel configurations yeah, I guess, I guess in that modular that route. Be, yeah. So that's why I said I think you compromise things as far as like frame uh, stiffness or flex. Um, or aesthetics. Because like if you wanted a shorter reach on a Gorilla Gravity, you've got the steer tube yeah. all the way at the back of that giant head so, tube. And it's like, I yeah. think that looks ugly as yeah. ever. And so. I would agree. And then, you know, you have... A, I mean, a lot of people think it looks ugly as ever. So yeah. it's like, is that yeah. modular? Yeah. Is that economic sense? Because they only need one front triangle? Sure. But, like, does it aesthetically look good? Mm. Not in my opinion. Nah, yeah. Not really. So... Yeah. I mean, I agree. And also, um, yeah. And I think, personally, if I'm, like, riding my bike and I want, you know, it to be better on more gravity-oriented trails versus something else, I'm going to just, like, swap out my tires. Yeah. You know, and like, I don't want to go and mess with links and take my whole bike apart. And well, I don't think most people should. I mean, I'm even on the like opinion. I'm, I'm none of my bikes have geo adjust or Same, headset yeah. adjusts. Like, yeah, you know, I just choose a bike that fits relatively close to what I like, you know, right. Uh, messing with that stuff, you know, you start messing with leverage ratios or reach or wheelbase and you get in the weeds, like Jeff said. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like pick your bike and just ride it everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Change your tires if you and want to make it, it. Yeah. If you want it better for whatever. Or so. just buy more bikes. There you go. <laughs> it's, it's almost, you know, what's funny is that the, the way I think about bikes, which I don't think I'm too far down the rabbit hole, but pretty far, obviously, <laughs> um, is, is very different than the way I play golf. So I don't really play golf, but when I play golf, I just think, you know what? <laughs> I think, you know what? I got, I'm better if I just know what the club does. Yeah. So I know what an eight iron does. So I just use that one. I'm right. Honestly, right. I know how to use the eight iron. Yeah. Can't hit woods. No chance. Me too. I know how to use the eight iron. I know how to use the pitching wedge and the putter. Yeah. So I take three clubs and I play three clubs. We are the same. I can't hit very far because I'm only using an eight iron, but I know what happens when I hit that eight iron. (laughs) So I play three clubs, right? Whereas most people play a lot more clubs than three because they know what they're doing. I don't. I know how to use three clubs. I play those three clubs. So yeah. <laughs> some people should maybe think about bikes like that. Yeah. 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 We are the same golfer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I could hit my pitching Want to play par threes? Yes. Yep, I'd love to. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, oh, playing, so playing par, par three, yeah. your, your eight iron's probably okay. Yeah. Exactly right. Yeah. I'm not going to a place that's not a par three. That's so it's above my league, man. Yeah. I'm like, what is this, a par five? All right, let me get my pitching wedge because <laughs> I can hit it farther than my driver. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's uh, like, all right, whatever. You guys should maybe take some lessons. Uh, probably, you know, that's nah. a great idea. Yeah. Nah, I just play golf less as a solution. Ride bikes more. Well, I agree. speaking of teaching, what is the best way for this person to become a qualified slash certified bike mechanic? Because they would like to do that. Um, I mean, I would just say start working on your bike is a good place to start. Also, Park Tool has a ton of free YouTube videos to help show you. Yeah. But if you want to get like legit qualified certified, uh, one of the only places I know is UBI, Universal Universal Bicycle Institute. I believe it's in Oregon, Portland maybe, or Bend, um, or Ashland. One of those. It's in Oregon. Uh, and they have full classes you can go to. I've never been, but. Um, 
That's yeah, cool. there's there's never really been a uh, sort of nationally or globally recognized certification program for a bicycle mechanic. Um, most people are self-taught and they get really good. And bicycles, let's be honest, they're not that complicated. Like mm-hmm. these are not motor, these are not cars and motorcycles. Yeah. They're quite a bit more simple than that. Um, but they're still technical and important to know what you're doing, of course. UBI's got a great course, and I think people do care about it, and it is a meaningful certification. Um, however, if you really know what you're doing, you know you can roll up with your own bike and just even build one bike at a shop, and they'll watch what you're doing and be like, yep, you know what you're doing. Yeah. Like, it's not yeah. rocket science. So Yeah. Nice. I don't know. Yeah. I know USA Cycling has some certification for a race mechanic, but I think that's more like rules that you have to follow mm-hmm. on like race course stuff. I don't think it's yeah. like how technically good you are yeah. yeah and like many things you can teach yourself a lot on youtube's yeah. for free that's yep. true the tube 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 the tube tube all right well boys we gotta go because i'm hungry um i want to go eat that's dinner. a great reason yeah <laughs> all right let's answer one last question all right what is the best trail dog breed mm, i don't gonna, know the answer to that i'm gonna say like any cattle or herding dog i would agree like a healer or a healer or border collie yeah they're also smart none of us have dogs no we don't i really want a blue healer (laughs) jared has a cat i have a cat what's your cat's name liam and i won't even take on the responsibility of a fish i wouldn't recommend it either (laughs) (laughs) no you don't want that kind of responsibility (laughs) jeff just said we have to go feed ourselves that's enough responsibility and uh (laughs) you know there's not a lot roi with a fish you just you don't get any affection you just you feed you it, look at it, and, I mean, smile and at you it. get to look fish at it. That's feeds it. your soul. Fish <laughs> or a cat. You feed fish to feed your soul. The fish feed your soul. Fish or a cat, you don't get much affection from either. That's not true. Cats definitely no, cats, cats will show you. affection. Yeah, cats love and snuggle. But not to strangers. Mm-hmm. Depending on the cat, actually, like some like I'm sure like some strays will show you affection. But side note, uh, I've been Jared's really close neighbor for less than a week, and his girlfriend's got my girlfriend watching their cat already when they go on vacations. <laughs> yeah. Is this true? Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Taylor watched <laughs> Bean. It was amazing. Yeah. And now they're best friends. So now you're screwed. She's got to come over and hang out with Bean all the time. Yeah. She's like, she's like, oh, the cat's super nice. It's like super <laughs> snuggly and everything. And she's like, Paige warned me it wouldn't wouldn't be affectionate or nice. And she's like, but it's a really nice cat. She's like, very sweet. Yeah. I mean, I like cats. I'm definitely not one of those guys who's like, oh, you're not a cat, man. You're not a man. Like, no way, dude. I had cats growing up and dogs, and the cats were great, too. They're great. I just never met a cat that I liked. So you haven't ever met Bean. There's a lot of cats out there, man. Yeah plenty of cats in the sea <laughs> yeah right and they also serve good purposes like farm cats they're good for rodent control super off the mountain bike podcast topic now so, so deep thank you very much uh, if i want to talk more about bean if yeah. you've made it this far follow uh, bean's instagram yeah. account follow beans inst- that's the bean is the name of I jared's cat you haven't caught that yet like that. Uh, oh anyways thank you very much we appreciate it uh what would really help us is if you left the podcast review either on spotify or apple podcasts if you type up a quick little review screenshot it and then you send that screenshot to podcast at worldwide cyclery via email uh jared will reply and give you a $15 gift card to the WorldwideCycling.com website oh, to like use on any product of your choice. more than half off a pair of grips, which is a pretty freaking good deal. Yeah, man. or even like a free bottle of chain lube or something. That's true. 15 mm. bucks actually gets you quite a bit of stuff yeah. on our website. Chain lube is great. Full of 19,038 nice, uh, products. 19,038. Water bottle. Ooh, a trailer and a water bottle. water bottle, yeah. 
Any kind so of whatever. So leave us a review. Um, and if you want to watch us on YouTube, it is on YouTube. If you're watching it on YouTube, Ooh. please hit that thumbs up button and drop a comment and say something like, Jared's hair looks awesome. Yeah. Um, that's all we got. Thank you for listening and or watching. We appreciate it. See you next time. Cheerio. Cheerio. Love you.